You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Hey everyone, welcome to the uh, the World Football Programme. Uh, Jim Webb here. Um, believe it or not, I am in the studio uh, with Penny, but uh, <laughs> Penny's had an amazing week and uh, the disorganised chaos at the moment in the studio because uh, she's obviously jet-lagged from her... I'll let her tell her about where she's been this week, but she's had an absolutely brilliant week. Uh, morning, Penny, how are you? Thanks for the Celtic rambles. The microphone was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> I've got it. I had to swing it over on a big boom arm. Good morning, everyone. The World Football Program. Penny here and Jim. Thank you, Jim. And everyone, welcome to finals week for World Cup football in Australia. It's been absolutely massive. Who hasn't got on board? That's the question. It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. Far out, dude. Yeah, I've had that uh, all week at work and with my mates and just uh, all over Australia. I'm still a little bit jet-lagged, it is true. I've got uh, three-hour increments of sleep for most of this week, including a flight over to Sydney and back to watch the semi-final, which was awesome. And the amount of people that have scored tickets and have just up and left to the games in in this last week is crazy. And we're going to be here in Perth watching it on the telly. We are. We are. We've got a full show today. We'll go through the guest list and all the thank yous as well. So we're going to have a pick-it-out-of-the-net chat with Jim. We're going to have a chat to Hayley Roach, Lost Lioness, England supporter, so she'll give it to us. Well, actually, it'll be two against one at that point if you're going to give it to me as well. (laughs) Football's the winner. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. We're going to have a chat to Alex Epakis, Perth Glory coach, uh, what's happening in the Perth Glory women's space there. And we'll also go through some A-League men's news as well for the Perth Glory season starting soon. First game of the season will be the A-League women. Yes. It's great. Be crab with vanilla. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the WASH post-World Cup. 
we really need to get on board with. That momentum's got to keep going, yeah. hasn't it, once after yep. tomorrow? Yep, absolutely. Uh, Dave Templeman, the Minister for Sport and WA, is going to join us. And we'll have a chat to Robbie Thompson, Women's World Cup match commentator. Thanks so much to all of our partners, Futsal... <clears throat> excuse me. Whew, that's my voice thing still after the, <laughs> the shouting. Uh, Futsal WA... Perth's premier futsal competition. Thanks to Greg and the team there. Oswest Fencing and Rort Iron and Gate and Fence Hardware. And of course, Nick Templeman, who does all of our web work. Really appreciate that. You've got Penn and Jim in the studio for the next couple of hours talking football. If you miss any part of the show, we do podcast on the worldfootballprogram.com.au website. Or you can listen live on Radio Fremantle's website as well. Mm, Plenty of things. No excuse not to listen. Yeah, and uh, I have to say, I, I've my tips, but I'm just showing Jim my tips. See my tips? They all worked out, except I don't have the final. I, I don't know. I was just undecided what to do with the final, but I can't find your tips. I will be fair. Uh, and, and, and Penny did pick the no four semi finalists there. So, uh, no, yeah. no fibbing, but I can't find your tip sheet. So I, I, I picked fib, England. I've got to find No, no, I'm, I'm pretty certain I picked England for the final, but who they were, who they're going to be, I don't know. Um, I can't remember. I think it might have been. Denmark, but oh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'll probably find that it was Spain, and I've completely forgot. Damn it! <laughs> damn it! Damn it! Well, there's a lot happening in the world of football. It is the busy end of the season. It is. So there's uh, finals and um, lots of jostling for top top uh, two or four positions, as the case may be, with top four cups and junior cup finals. Actually, the today. The girls are today. They are yeah. indeed. I'm, I'm just actually waiting for a message from, from the game that, that kicked off at nine o'clock for nice. some breaking news, hopefully a bit later on, so about some results from the finals of the girls. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, and I just have to say, it's, uh, I was chatting with Tanya Oxtoby during the tournament. Um, she's over here in Australia with the Optus team, was with Chelsea, but the news this morning yeah, is that she signed as the Northern Ireland oh. coach. Fantastic. Excellent. Another WA in management, eh? Yep, Nicola Williams is over in uh, England at the moment. Where is she at the moment? I can't remember the name of the team, but someone's going to remind me. I know it. Um, so, you know, both from Perth Glory, for WA, um, this is just great. We are producing some great, uh, you know, game changers. Excellent. We call them game changers. Game changers. Yep. Um, but so, have you, have you seen, I was just reading the work she's done as a coach. Yep. You know, being the what's. Uh, Assistant at Chelsea, but the amount of honours she's won as a coach is she's got obviously pre- great pedigree. Jim, the amount of honours she's won as a player, player is as well. yeah, quite true. incredible. I mean, she's captain most teams that she's been a part mm. of here in Western Australia. Um, so she's you know very distinguished player. Do, do you do you ever think there'll be a time when Tanya, for example, ever can manage a senior men's team? Not like I know we've got them in the World Cup, Ooh. but a club team in the A League in the in some kind of European professional league. Do you reckon that I'll ever, you'll ever see the day of that happening? Forest Green tried it. They employed a female... So Forest Green, for everyone, play in the English League 2. They employed a first-team coach lady for some pre-season friendlies. And then the season started, they employed a man. Was that a bit of a publicity stunt? I don't know. But do you ever think there'll be a time when... Oh, I don't know about that. Carolina Mariachi dabbled a little bit in Italy with hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was Serie B. Um, it didn't quite work. It wasn't long-lived. Um, just trying to think of anybody else who's been in that space and mm. it, nothing comes to no. mind. So I don't know. It's uh, Will the day ever come? I think it will. Yeah, I, I guess. So. I guess I'm well, just trying to think of the reasons why it hasn't happened so far and um, and that would come down to the qualifications You know, just now 
you know, building, building, building. I mean, think of all the female coaches of the national teams in the World Cup. Um, the numbers are getting there mm-hmm. um, at the higher levels. A lot of assistant coaches, um, yeah. females through throughout places I can think of, throughout Europe and England. Um, yeah, just a time thing, maybe, Jim, uh, and a respect thing. You yeah. know, get, getting yeah. your place in, in the world game at different levels. I mean, this is a, a game changer, the amount of exposure that football has got here in the last uh, month of the Women's World Cup um, across male and female. It's been amazing. Mm. Just the equal footing that it's gotten has been a real eye-opener for me. And boys, men, I, I, when I was in Sydney, there was uh, dads and their sons without any females travelling to the game. Mm. Um, and sitting there as a you know family unit, and um, this is just amazing for for me. This is the perfect situation. This is what I want to see at Perth Glory Games and at Socceroos Games, yeah. like everywhere, it's yeah. not just uh, women's football, just a family place to be. And it's it's actually quite a nice environment too. Everywhere I've gone, there's been men, women, males, females just talking, that the, like common conversation. And it's been nice. There's been a couple of things. I think with the fan fest at one of the places um, this week was a bit of a, of a shocker with flares. Damn flares coming out. Um, but other than that, it's been all very polite and well-mannered and um, people have been friendly and done the right things. And there's been big groups of people. I mean, the fan fest in Sydney was 10,000 people. They fit yeah. into that space. We fit 2,000 here in Perth. They get 10,000 into the fan festival. It's just immense support. It's good. It's been, it's been a brilliant month, hasn't it? The last four weeks, it's been absolutely fantastic for football. And yep. what a shame things have to come to an end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There'll be, yeah, sleep and the adrenaline will dampen <laughs> down. But there'll be conversations for a long time. Mm. Um, yep, and we need those conversations to keep going. We need them to go into the local game. And I don't know how that's going to transition, I, I must admit, because we're, we're talking a world of difference down to local grassroots football. The interest might be there to play football, but we need to support it in the intermediate space, the NPL and the A-League men and the A-League women, yeah. hmm. how that's going to happen. And But without the grassroots, where do, where do you go? Where do they go? So I know, I, know, I know clubs in my area have been inundated with new people asking how they get involved and how can they start playing. I've never played before. Have you got a team of my ability? Will you show me how to play the game? Excellent times, great times. And yeah. Fostering an interest Absolutely. and being keen to be open-minded mm. about it. Um, yeah, I was listening to a program this morning, um, an English uh, podcast, and there was <laughs> the, the lady, very English accent, was saying, you've taken our netball and you've taken our cricket, but you're not taking our soccer. <laughs> <laughs> In a friendly kind of way. Yeah. Um, look, uh, let's go to um, pick it out of the net before oh, we go to a break because yep. um, we've got Hayley coming on. I'm sure we'll talk lots of English football at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so w- what's been happening around the traps, Jim? Well, I've, I've done a bit of a research here. So where do you want to start, Penny? Do you want to go local or would you like to do something a little bit obscure? Wow, obscure. So cool. I, if you want to go local, we can do local. If you want to go obscure, we can go to the coldness of Greenland, the heat of Micronesia or the rain in America. Far Where out. Where would you like to go? Which part of the world would you like to go? Well, let's go crazy and then come local. Okay. And ground so, so should we go Greenland, which is probably a conversation you... Uh, I was um, not expecting that. Oh, well, Where well, are you leading us, Jim? I'm leading you to Greenland because Greenland have just held their football championships. Okay. Now, people always say that the season lasts too long in soccer, football, you know, 46 weeks, 24 weeks. Greenland lasts six days. That's their football season. 
Because Is that the amount of sunlight? That's there? pretty much because of half the well, most of the teams are off having to go hunting in readiness for the winter, and because of the vast distances that the clubs have to travel to call it, to play each other, they cram everything in. Like into, a to- big tournament. It's like a big, big tournament that, that finalises the Greenlandic Football Championship. And that's happening around now? It's just finished. It actually started in 1954, so this is how it is. And the 2023 season has just finished with a team called B67 Newark. Okay. Winning the league, so <laughs> that is so random. It, it, so it's just, I was just, uh, yeah, and it was just something that I picked up where the, the, the tournament lasts for a week, uh, because uh, as you know, geographically, Greenland is ice. It's huge, but it's just ice. And yep. I thought there was probably a capital city of Greenland, and that was it. But there are little towns all around the coast. They all live everywhere on the coast. Um, Do we have any footballers of note coming out of no. Greenland? Okay, all right. <laughs> they are a member of FIFA. Although, despite the fact that they are uh, under sort of Denmark rule, but yeah, no, they're after, after the FIFA. Now, one of the things that did actually catch my mind is that there's eight teams. One of the teams, and, and forgive me because I'm really oh here it is. Uh, one of the teams couldn't take part this year. It was a team called SAK Sissimut, and okay. I really apologise for anyone I bet from you Greenland didn't get that right. <laughs> who had to forfeit this week because their team um, had to go off reindeer hunting to feed their families for the uh, winter season coming up. That's so, crazy. So, uh, yeah, so congratulations to uh, B67 Newark. That's the 13th time they've won the Greenlandic Football Championships. And uh, I just thought it'd be something random to, to pick out the net rather than talk about Harry Kane scoring his first goal for Bayern Munich last night. And yeah. sort of like, So there we are, Greenlandic Football Championship. It's hot, it's... it's lively it's action and uh they have got a twitter feed and they have got a website which is all in danish but you can trans- translate it into english on oh, google translate what so, else you got in that net there jim oh. <laughs> um we'll, we'll go to from reindeer hunting to raccoons causing games to stop play okay well so this is not where i was expecting the conversation no to well this, this is it's something different in it okay. because yeah something away from the world cup but in america salt lake city of the mls uh, they were playing a cup game uh, against the Mexican team. And um, it was raining. Football happens in rain, but it was raining and raining, so the referee decided to just hold off for the game. And instead of using the frame, it rained cats and dogs, a raccoon fell out of the ceiling <laughs> of the media centre. <laughs> this, this raccoon then caused havoc by running around all the media centre. So while people were trying to catch it, it managed to get onto the concourses with, the st- with all the supporters who were waiting for the game. Well, if you can picture the scene, there were people with bins, buckets, trying to catch this raccoon. <clears throat> they failed. Are you serious? <laughs> Penny, I'm now going to show Penny a picture because this raccoon then found the popcorn machine. Now, I think it's great that there's a popcorn machine in the concourse of a football stadium. Uh, Penny, what is that raccoon on that picture doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> He's going for the Matildas. This is a hurrah. <laughs> but the raccoon is actually looking at the popcorn machine waiting for some food. And yep. I, I, the game was actually abandoned because of the rain. And I'm pleased to say that the raccoon was captured. Okay, and that and, was some entertainment. And was released. And that was the played. highlight of the night. Got yeah, it. So, okay. Uh, Raccoon stop play. Sorry, Haley, you're going to have to uh, be, <laughs> another few minutes. We're just talking raccoons here. <laughs> Jim, bring it closer to home, Jim. Bring, bring it closer. It closer. To home. Okay, yep. so um, as you said, it's finals uh, time. Um, it's also coming to the end of the season in our local leagues. Um, the MPL, men's MPL, two games to go. Nothing's been decided yet, which 
for a football season with two games to go, usually something's been decided, either a promote or a championship or a relegation's been decided in. But this year in the NPL. Except for the women's NPL because Redbacks have. Redbacks won the women's yep. NPL, yes, definitely, uh, which I was going to come on to, but okay. thanks for stealing my thunder there, Pen. But couldn't help yeah, that. But, <laughs> but men's, uh, with two games to go, nothing's been decided. Although after today, uh, Red Star could win the league. So that'll be a double. So what's the points difference but in the top four there? So you've got Red Star, Sterling, Perth, Olympic... Red, so we've got Red Star, 39 points, Sterling, Macedonia, 37, Olympic Kingsway, 33. They're the three pretty teams. Tight. Pretty tight. Two games to go. Yep. Um, Red Star are away at Glory Yep. Um, this afternoon. They, if they win that, and I think it's uh, Sterling who are at home to Perth lose, then Red Star will win the, the league today. Yep, so, okay. It's uh, all to play for in, in the NPL. And, and relegation-wise, Floria, Inglewood, Coburn, Sorrento, Balcata, Glory and even Armadale are all in the race for being relegated or being in the uh, 11th place, <coughs> which is the playoff to the State League Division 1. Yeah, conversations will certainly go crazy if Perth Glory's in that space. Oh, it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Mm. But State League Division 1 is where the game of the day is. So Western Knights currently sitting on top. Yep. Manchester City second. They're the only two teams that can win the league. There's one point in it. And today it's Western Knights are at home to Manchester City. There's the match of the round. There's the match of the round. So if the Knights win, they win the league. If there's a draw, it goes to next week. And if Manchester win, they go above Knights. But it's still all to play for for next week. So. Western Knights has got their link to Sam Kerr and the Matildas. So good one. It has, yes. And uh, obviously I've got a slight link from where I live to Manchester City. So, um, yep. you know. But, yeah, it should be the match of the game. I think there's going to be a big crowd at um, Nashfield this afternoon to yep. watch that. So uh, Is that being streamed, you know? It'll be on streamer, yeah. Okay. So the game is being streamed. So um, if you're not able to get up to, to Western Knights ground, then, um, yeah, you can watch it on the streamer website. And uh, I wonder if they're going to put something in the club rooms afterwards for the third, fourth playoff. Uh, I know man, uh, Western Knights are showing the third full playoff, which kicks off at 4 o'clock yeah, our time. That's right. So that's yeah. going to be streamed in their clubhouse Good one. while the game's going on. Um, I know that game's being streamed at Manchester City uh, on their clubhouse, so yep. they, they'll have the Knights game on their stream and the third, fourth playoff on, a, on the other t- big TVs in down there. So, uh, day of football. A day of football. And, and unfortunately, Forest Field are relegated down into Division 2 locally, so which is uh, always a shame to see a team get relegated, but football is promotion and relegation, and that's what we do. They've had their ups and downs over the past yeah. five years. Mm, they mm. have, yes. Yeah. So, women's NPL... You got anything to say there? You gonna like do a little cap of that space? Um, do you want me to do a cap? You, of that you space? do the little cap because uh, I'm just gonna look something else. Okay, up all right. Minute. So um, we're 19 games in. There's I think one or two games. I think it might be two, including this weekend. So Perth, Perth Red Stars have taken out the league. Um, 46 points over Perth Soccer Club. 36 points and Fremantle on 36 points. So not possible for anyone to get into that no. space. Very dominant. Second year running that they've won the title. Well done, Perth Red Stars. And uh, the two places on the bottom there are Subiaco and Curtin. Mm. Um, see, I haven't heard a lot of banter out of Football West about the definite promotion and relegation. Have, I haven't heard them say or put it in the media that two bottom teams or the bottom team is going no. to be and then the top team from somewhere else is going to be... I haven't heard that conversation no. happening. So I'm not quite sure... What exactly is happening there? The fixes for this weekend are Curtin and Perth Soccer Club, NTC versus Fremantle, Subiaco and Perth, Red Star and Balcata and Mum FC. And Ruby Cuthbert, who used to play for Mum FC, now playing for NTC, has just signed for, I 
think it is Brisbane Raw. Okay. She's a junior Matilda's captain. Excellent. Bypass Perth Glory. Yeah. Not happy about that. But why is it? I don't know. Maybe that, we'll ask Alex Apakis about that. Now, that Curtin Perth game was actually played last night. So, okay. Uh, Perth won 7 0. So, uh, no real surprise when you see the, uh, the, the, the table there. Um, poor old Curtin, you know, it's. Um, yep. St- it's Negative 139. Yeah. The, yeah. Now, now add seven onto that. Yep. That's a, it's a, uh, it's okay. not, not fun for anyone. No, no, it's not. And, uh, yeah, I suppose for the teams that are playing against them, it's a matter of uh, accumulating goals towards mm. their end. But, uh, yeah, it's nearly a season over in that regard. Um, are we ready to go for a break? I, I, think, think, s- I think we probably should. I think so, yeah. Let's go for it. Okay. This is Penn and Jim on the World Football Programme. Back soon. WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.com Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. I'm still trying to get over the fact we were talking about a raccoon on the show. <laughs> what? What? This is Penn and Jim on the World Football Program this morning, and our guest right now is Hayley Roach, England's lost lioness. And talking about England, of course, good afternoon, Hayley. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Nice to be back on the show, Penn. Yep, it's been an amazing ride for everybody in world football. Uh, everybody just uh, getting on board with everything football. People just talking about it just for conversation pieces and that's what we want going forward too. What about in your part of the world? How exciting and involved and immersed in football has things been there? 
Yeah, so I've been in um, Adelaide for the last uh, last couple of months, so completely immersed in all things. Um, we had five matches here in Adelaide, uh, and I've been part of Adelaide Jaguars whilst I've been here. Um, so still playing uh, and still very much being part of a women's football community um, uh, set up, and it's just been it's just been fabulous. And actually, Adelaide Jaguars that I've kind of been involved with for the last few months is the biggest football club for women in Adelaide and it's solely under fives all the way to very much seniors um, women only and it's just a fantastic community club with a great ethos Um, and what I love about that is they don't compare themselves to men they don't they're just a women's football club and it's just a big solid community where it's normal for girls to play football and uh you know and everybody gets along and there's none of that um kind of comparison or uh you know barriers that we have to break down because all the girls that are in the club see it as normal and that's i think one of the legacies of this tournament is we're changing the narrative it's going to become normal and all of a sudden we will be talking about the quality of the players on the pitch and not some so much some of those you know statistics and world records and all the rest of it. So, yeah. I think that's one of the things I'm looking forward to um, host this tournament. I did not know there was a women's only club in Adelaide. I yeah, I think yeah, there was only, was only three yeah. across Australia, and I didn't know that there was one there. So there you go. There you go. Well, yeah. I know that there's a certain club in Baldivis that will probably want to know that um, because they're just finding their feet in the female-only space. And it is interesting that we still have some female clubs. Northern Redbacks was our biggest one here in Western Australia. They merged with Up to become Perth Red Star just recently and are very successful, men's and women's. Um, it's still interesting that we have these clubs wanting to be female only when we're moving into this space of equality and normalisation and all this kind of stuff. Do you think that's an interesting thing? I do, because actually um, uh, one of the um, kind of goals and strategy pieces for the English FA, I think maybe 10 years ago, was to actually um, align and encourage the men's football clubs, so the Man United's, the Man City's, the Arsenal's, to uh, to build a women's football team because to leverage facilities, to leverage finance, to leverage, um, you know, placement and profile and all those kind of things. So it is very interesting that, yes, here we go, we want our own, you know, right to be able to play, but actually the FA strategy was well, we want the men's team to be the leaders as well in developing, you know, where we want the women's game to go. So I think it is quite it is quite a mixed, you know, kind of space where it, on one side of the coin, we want to be footballers in our own right, but actually there's still a part of that strategy where being associated with some of those men's football teams gives us, you know, a platform to, you know, uh, better facilities or more exposure or all those kind of things. So interesting times, I think, really, yeah. within, the, within the women's game. Part of the journey, I think, and we were just talking to Jim earlier about, you know, why this Women's World Cup has been so massive and one of the reasons has got to be the increase in social platforms and and the fact that kids of all ages, younger ages even, are yeah. accessing those social platforms. So Football Australia done a massive job in putting the Matildas up there on that stage yep. and promoting Sam Kerr as kind of a brand for the Matildas, really. And then yep. 
we've just got everyone talking about it and 40, was it? Figures 45% of Australia tuned in to watch the semi final. Mm-hmm. The other 55 either didn't have a television or living remotely on a campsite or something. I don't know. Didn't or in a ground <laughs> like you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. Next to me. <laughs> so yeah, everybody's talking about it. And that's what we want, really. I mean, it is women's football, but essentially it is football and we all want to be supporting mm. it. We all want to enjoy it and have access to it, play it, and see it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think before we let mm. in, we've got a lot to unpack, Pen, Jim, in, in yep. the next few minutes, yeah, actually. Yeah. But Go for it. I was, um, I was watching and I've been quite engaged in the FIFA Women's Football Convention that is taking part in Sydney right now. And it's brought together some of the big players um, across women's football worldwide. So even people from uh, UEFA and the FA, uh, New Zealand, Australia. So some really big key players who um, who are, you know, very high up in, in the world of, of football. And one of the things that actually they were talking about, again, it's, it's some, you know, we've talked about it. We are now just calling it football. Boys, girls, kids, whoever watching it now, it's just football. It's not women's football. It's not men's football. It's just football. So again, you know, we're just changing how it's perceived, where it's positioned. Um, and again, great, because I, uh, I, I've never liked it being called women's football. It's still football, just played by women. So, yes. you know, again, change the narrative. Let's just call it football. And sometimes even when they say, oh, um, Australia have qualified for the semi-final of the Women's World Cup. Why can't you just call it the, the World, World Cup? Cup? Because currently there is no other World Cup taking place. So you don't actually need to identify that it's the Women's World Cup. Yes. It's just the World Cup. Because they take place at completely different times to the, you know, the Men's World Cup. You don't say England qualified for the Men's World Cup semi-finals or whatever. It's just the World Cup. Yeah. So, I, but you know, who'd have thought, Pen, thirty or forty years ago, when we were growing up in an environment where we weren't even allowed to play football, we'd be having these conversations about how, what it's being called. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's just—it's just incredible. We've come so far um, from a world what we grew up in. To what the environment looks like today now for girls, boys, you know, whoever, sponsors, jobs in the media, all those kind of things, all those opportunities, you know, are a bit more available now on an equal basis. And it's one of those things that I'm sure you were fighting for or were playing for and why we consistently kept on playing and doing what we did 40 years ago was for the for, for today. Well, if you think of Sam Kerr and the stories that she's got to tell as a kid, I mean, she was playing at Western Night and some of the time she had to play, um, I think we all did when we were young, play in mixed football, um, yep. whether we wanted to or that was the only option or we had to pretend that we were a boy um, to get into yep. the, the leagues. But um, And that that's in our lifetime still. Yeah. But in the, the next lifetime of the young girls growing up and seeing their role models play now – they yep. hopefully won't have to have those things. They'll, they won't be pioneers. They'll be just playing football. That would be the narrative. Just playing football. Just be playing football. Yeah. Mm. Just be playing football. And, and ne- I never thought I would see it in my lifetime. You know, after year, after year, after disappointment of, oh, well, maybe next year, maybe next year, you know, there'll be more of an opportunity. Um, and, yeah, after 30 or 40 years, I kind of thought, oh, well, never mind. <laughs> never, it never happened. And then all of a sudden... Like the last five years 
or maybe even the last 10 years, the trajectory has been incredible and it's now almost normal. And yeah, I'm thrilled and delighted to have played my part uh, to of where it is. And I still believe, you know, me and you, we played a very small part all those years ago by, by doing what we did. Yep, yep. And, you know, we, we've had this total immersion in football now and you're right take out the women's part of it it's just football because it's just happening right now and it's being supported by yeah. everyone and you know politicians you know, people at home having their own fan watch parties a, a yeah. dad and a, a son going to watch the game or, or versus the whole family or female and their group you know everybody's joining in so it's taking out the parts that we added in before to normalise it and it just yep. is now. And maybe that's going to be some kind of Nike ad to it's just football. <laughs> <laughs> it's just football. And there were, um, in back in England last year during the Euros, there was a lot of um, uh, kind of commercials and, and campaign around that. It was. It, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, it, it's just, it's the same game. It's just football. Um, so, yeah, no, brilliant. Um, I super love it. There is a part of me... That it gets a little bit annoyed with the people who have jumped on the bandwagon <laughs> who feel a little bit like, oh, yeah, look at us go. Or, you know, look at the women's game. Oh, yeah, I've always been a supporter. I've always, like, it's always been great. Yeah, no, I, I really, <laughs> there's a little part of me that gets a little bit frustrated of, you know, I, I know, all, all that. I know you know exactly, what I mean? I know exactly how you feel. When, when I'm at work and people say, oh, did you see that game? And, yeah. and people become experts after watching 10 minutes of a game. And... And I'm like, great, are you going to watch the next game? Are you going to watch the Women's Super League? Yeah. Are you going to watch the exactly. A-League women? You know, and, oh, is that happening? Yes, it's not yeah. just a World yeah. Cup. You know, it's there's, yeah. there's football away from the World Cup. There's grassroots football. Don't be too frustrated. We've created no. the platform and now but it's the, know, know. things are changing. But the opportunity is now we've grabbed these new people is now we've got to keep hold of them yeah. and get of them course. more interested. And that's yeah. I think that's a bigger battle than... yeah. That, it is, you know. it is. And, then going, and going forward, I'm hoping maybe Australia can look at... Um, you know, what the English FA did last year or what the Lionesses did last year when they won the Euros, um, it took them winning the Euros to then have to write to the government to say, please now make football accessible for all girls Mm -hmm. in primary schools. Now, don't, you know, I almost want to say to Australia, don't wait for the team to do something to now make that change. You've seen it. Let's just start making those changes because... Otherwise, like Ian Wright said, your campaign has been wasted and don't let that happen. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that, you know, you know, maybe you can look at, you know, some of the successes around the rest of the world um, on how this goes forward. Um, you know, what, what did the FA do to take the English team from where they were to where they are now? What are the strategies and that participation at grassroots football? Because... Even it doesn't really matter what sport it is. I think once there's some high-profile achievement that everybody sees, everybody then wants to play that sport. And I think in tennis they have the same. You know, after the Opens, everybody then wants to become you know the next best tennis player. Football is going to be no exception, and there are now going to be hundreds and across, like you said, all ages. Um, Jim, like the mums who have you know taking their kids through football who now want to go out and run around for a social or, you know, the five, six-year-old Sam Kerr wannabes who, um, you know, who want to play. And it is about having those opportunities and can Australia get ready? Can they, um, you know, have those opportunities? And it's not just about playing. You need coaches. You need facilities. You need 
football fields. You need secretaries to run the leagues. You Hayley, know, Hayley, so Hayley. You're so passionate about all that. I'm going to need to get you back on every week for the next 51 weeks of the year. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I told you there was a lot to cover. I knew there was a lot to cover. Can we um, have a chat about uh, England run to the final, the fact that they're actually yeah. in the grand final? Um, we'll have a chat to Robbie about the third and fourth place a little bit later in the show. But England have played absolutely super awesome. They're, they've been yeah. so strong and clinical. Solid. They, they so stopped solid. Australia from playing their game the other night. Yeah, they did. Um, I have to say, when when I mean, who gives Sam Kerr all that space? I don't know. Millie Bright just seemed to watch her and just run alongside with her. And at some point, even watching it, I was pretty confident Sam Kerr was going to leash, uh, you know, a shot yeah. uh, into the back of the net. Uh, and, yeah, we didn't close it down. We gave her space, and she just proved what a world-class player she is on that stage. With you know, I can't even do that on a Sunday with not the pressure of tens and <laughs> millions of people watching around the world, and it being such a vital, you know, vital strike. She is just awesome, and and I was so delighted that Australia got that, and she got that for Australia and for the nation. Um, I was scared as an England supporter, thinking that's going to you know open a goal fest now for Australia. Um, Luckily for, for me and for Lionesses, they didn't. They stayed strong and they kept solid and they did. They shot Australia down. I don't think um, there was any luck about that, Hayley. I think that was really good coaching and really good discipline from the players to do that. Yes. No, no you, you are. You're, you are abs- you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, I loved the semi-final. I was super nervous. Uh, I watched it in three different places um, just, to, uh, just to kind of try and you know, experience the fan fest do a little bit with my football club um, and then come home and just um, savour that moment with my family and friends back in the UK. Um, so uh, it was an in- incredible um, semi-final and it was a shame it wasn't the final in a way. I was, yes. uh, Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people saying exactly the same yeah. because, this, you know, what a great fixture. Um, just sad that, of course, one of the teams was never going to just make it that one extra step. Yeah. Um, but... What a um, what a celebration! What a way to end Australia's campaign. Very disappointing. I've been there. I know what that pain's like. We've been semi finalists three times. In, sorry, in the last two World Cups. So I, I feel your pain on that. Yeah, um, it's a first. Uh, I'm also. It's the first appearance that um, England yeah. have made, either men or women, yeah. in sixty years. I know it's an, it's an incredible, incredible moment, and uh, I am—I will be there tomorrow. I'm literally about to jump on a plane nice. to go to Sydney, and um, I mean, Penn, happy to phone you uh, and either commiserate or celebrate if you like <laughs> uh, after to- after tomorrow night, uh, where we see where this is uh, where this has landed. But I'm all for the lionesses. I've packed two or three shirts. I can't quite decide right now which one I'm going to wear. Um, I I believe in them. Um, and I think Serena, obviously, the team talk about that Serena has instilled belief in them when they're on that field. Um, I'm pretty confident they're going to go out with a lot of belief that they can do this for the first time in 60 years. So it's going to be either way. I'm, I feel like there's less pressure now once you're in the final. I know that probably sounds a bit crazy. Um, you've got to the final. Yes, you've still got to play another match and you've got to win it and it would be heartbreaking for me if we didn't win it. But I feel the the heartbreak and the fear was last uh, was the other night playing Australia. Yeah. What do you reckon about the team tomorrow? Do you think she'll make changes? Would you know, Laura? No, Laura, I don't think 
I don't think she will. Everybody's talking about Lauren Jane. That's what I was going to say. Lauren, Lauren Jane is able to come back now from suspension. She's a game changer if needed, though. Mm. If needed. Uh, I, I think she'll bring. I think I don't think she'll start with Lauren James. I think she'll start with Ella Toon. I think it'll be the same set at the same yeah. time. Serena doesn't make many no, changes. No, she doesn't. No. No. Mm. So I think she'll start the final with the squad that she played uh, that she started with um, the other night. And then she'll make the changes. Uh, she's good at making those changes. She's strategic. She knows the strength of her team. She knows what each player can do when they come on. And she's known for bringing Chloe Kelly on around the 80th mm. minute and that being a game changer. She she can do the same. She's got options. And I, I think I'm, I'm going to go with the same starting lineup. Um, but yes, Lauren James is a threat. And despite that red card, could possibly have gone on to be one of the, you know, the great players great young players certainly in this tournament um but um I, i'm pretty confident serena might just start with the same uh, the same lineup i think that's been a little bit of a like a theme across the bet the teams that have played uh to the higher levels in the world cup that they've kept a very stable first 11 they have. and I, yeah. I, I look at the minutes that they've got into their legs and you'd think um man that's a lot of you know potential for injury risk and um fatigue but the teams have all managed that really well. Like, uh, I, I watched the Matildas play from start to finish. They, they're going for it. Like, the, the fitness yeah. is incredible. So the, the backroom staff to keep all of that happening is incredible. Um, I, I like the consistency. I like the dynamic and the relationships that the players build when they play game after game after game. So they accommodate all the scenarios. The statisticians do their job and they talk about it in training, yeah. what we need to do for this game. So the same group yeah. of players are looking at playing a little differently for this game or a little differently for that game, but it's the same group of players are working on it. And I, I feel a little bit sympathy, sympathetic for the players that haven't got minutes because there's some yeah. some players have gone to World Cup and not got one minute. It's crazy. I know. I, I um, agreed. But I think also, you know, that's the camaraderie and the team dynamics and yes. the strength in, in each team. And it's about how you build that team, right? And so, it, and everybody's supportive of each other. And yes, there's going to be disappointment that you've gone to a World Cup and, you know, you haven't been selected or you haven't played. But you're still, certainly as I see it from Serena's point of view, she's very much built that team and everybody is vital. And you could be called on at any point you know, to, to be part of that team. And you're still part of that team if you're on the subs bench and you've got that, you know, that yes. jacket on. So um, I think that's credit to her. But also I think I've seen that across all of the teams. Yes, you know, they agreed. seem to have been... It, it, the teams are now not just 11 players. They're, they are squads of 23 players. Yes. And everybody is vital and, and has a role to play regardless of whether yes. you're in the starting 11, you know, or on the subs bench. Hayley, we're going to have to leave it there. We've got Perth Glory Coach coming on to have a chat about things. Uh, thanks uh, so much. And uh, just have to say, too, that 7.13 million viewers from Channel 7 watched that semi-final, which eclipsed the AFL Grand Final, the Melbourne Cup, the Olympics and all other sporting event numbers. I just had to say that. Go for yeah, no, and congratul congratulations to Australia for embracing the tournament. It, I, I don't know about you, Pen, but it seems to come late. <laughs> we did talk about this, didn't we? That it's you know that um, momentum of the World Cup seemed to you know a week out, two weeks out, and we were still yes. you know where is everybody? Yes. Um, but once the football had started, 
that was it. Everybody was in. And yeah. credit to Australia and New Zealand for hosting a super, super fabulous tournament that has in, really encapsulated the nation. Yes. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll chat to you again. Go soon. England. Yeah. <laughs> Share the line, actually. All right. Thanks. Have a lovely day. Speak to you soon. Enjoy. See ya. All right. Bye. See you. Bye. You said you wanted Sam Kerr and the Matildas to come to Perth, Western Australia, and the McGowan government has delivered. For the Matildas to come to Perth, uh, particularly for the first competitive game in its history, it's just an exciting opportunity for the local young female players to look up and aspire to what they might want to be. Australia will play against some of the top teams in Asia. We're playing Chinese Taipei. We'll play against Iran and we'll also play against the Philippines. This is an important competition for the Matildas. It's a, a qualifying campaign. We need to win these matches in order to play in Paris in 2024. I'm looking forward to see the Matildas play in their backyard, especially Sam coming back home, playing in front of her family and friends. We've made this happen, actually. We're part of the legacy, part of Sam Kerr, <laughs> Lydia. <laughs> this will produce a festival of football. It's very exciting because we'll have overall six games of spectacular international women's football played across a week-long tournament between the 26th of October and the 1st of November. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tyne is a fourth-generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tyne. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. more than just a ball. It's where we find our feet, where we find our voice and a place to belong, where we get to express our true selves. Following the footsteps of our heroes, we can go from small to 10 feet tall, where we can all write our best stories, because this game, the world's biggest game, has space for us all. Find your place, join our team. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Jim in the studio. And we were just having a chat about, I wonder what's going to happen over summer because the momentum from the World Cup is going to want to be filled in some space. And this is where the World Cup's at the wrong time of the year, isn't it? Oh, Alex, what do you reckon about that? <laughs> Look, I think it's been a pretty incredible um, experience. Whether, whether it's summer or winter, I think that's a secondary one for me. I'm just happy to see the momentum it's created. Yep, yep, definitely. I think that uh, all the organisations out there that have got five-a-side and summer football set up are probably rubbing their hands together right now and mm. receiving all the calls and probably going to fill their coffers too, which is good, good football. Yeah, look, more, more people participating, the better. Well you know, I think um, what what this has allowed us to do is just see the, the, the momentum that the sport can generate across all different levels and, you know, different types of it. You mentioned their five-a-side and even if it's futsal, um, you know, the, the the game itself can be played and enjoyed by all, regardless of age, you know, or ability, male, female. It's irrelevant. I think that's what makes it a, a really fantastic sport across the, the entire globe. Yeah, and one of the things that, you know, we want to come out of it is everybody has that momentum. Like, it's not just girls that sign up 
for football. Mm. It's boys and boys. men and masters. Mm. They, they're all inspired to play and they've discussed with the other people that are watching the games, oh, did you know there's walking football and there's masters football and there's international yeah. tournaments and you can keep playing your whole life and, like, all those conversations create football everywhere. I get excited yeah. about uh, it. I think that's, that's great, isn't it? Yeah. 100%. It is. Alex, we're not too far away from an A-League season starting, men's and women's. Um, Perth Glory uh, are, are kicking off uh, in, I think, our first game's October 14. Oh, 14, is that right? Yep. Um, got uh, 22 games this season, so it's a little bit longer. We've got an added-in team with Central Coast stepping in, so we've got 12 teams in the season this year. And um, What's your thoughts on how things are, are going ahead at the moment? Well, look, I think, as you mentioned there, the fact that the season now is uh, has extended and the fact that it's a full home and away competition with the extra team in, in Central Coast, I think that in itself has generated a great um, positive energy throughout the competition. I know all the players and, and staff across all the clubs would be really enjoying that. And then you, you do it off the back of what's been a really successful World Cup campaign. Um, I think that it's boding really well for what I think might be the best A-League women's season yet. Mm. When do Perth Glory get together? Because um, the MPL is still happening across Australia, really. Um, when do they start to gather the squad? Yeah, so uh, some players are starting to make their way into into the city now um, from, from an international point of view. And then the local players and the interstate players will start to come a little bit closer to our official start date, which is the 8th. Um, so, yeah, you know, well, we're two, three weeks away from that and we're just putting the final pieces together for, for what we hope is a really important pre-season. It's, it's not a long pre-season. I think it's um, just under five weeks, which is the shortest we've had in the competition. So we, we just have to make sure we're really ready to, uh, to make sure we use every minute as best as we can in that period. How's the squad shaping up? Yeah, look, the, the squad is, um, you know, it's an exciting one. Uh, for, for me, the, the key thing was ensuring we could be as cohesive as possible um, and, and retain you know, a large chunk of the players. There's always going to be a few outgoings and incomings. That's the business, business of football. But from a large part, we wanted to be cohesive. And that's something which, you know, a few years ago when we did a really big recruitment drive, we wanted to make sure that a lot of the young players stayed on board for the long term and that was going to be a core part of our team moving forward and that's really coming to fruition. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. And the additions that we do have coming in, they're going to bring new experience, fresh face, fresh energy uh, and hopefully help us go another level as a team. Can you talk to us about some of the players that have either re-signed or new players that you've got coming in? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, from a from a local point of view, we, we've got, at this stage, at least three youngsters that we've uh, brought into the club at a professional level, and that's Georgia Cassidy, Tamika Lala, and Grace Johnston. All three of those have, have been doing really well in the local scene um, within the NTC program, not just this season, but previously, and we had them in, uh, involved in trainings over the previous seasons, and I knew that this season in particular coming up would be the one that they'd be ready uh, mentally uh, and physically to be part of the team and contribute. And I've got a big role to play in helping them develop further, and, and really they, they can t could be you know a long-term spine within the group for the club, and that's really exciting in itself. Um, and then we've got some experienced players coming from overseas, um, 
You know, we've recently uh, secured Grace Charley and Millie Farrow. They're both strikers who uh, I think will give us a lot of uh, cutting edge up in the in, in the front third of play. And you know, ultimately scoring goals is what what it's all about. And we want to make sure that we bring players in that have got a real attacking threat and that can really excite what we're doing. I think World Cup's a good example. You know, we're getting really excited by seeing great attacking play and some really fantastic goals. And that's what we want to be as a team. We want to be exciting as well. So we um, we did our best to, to secure the services of some really good attacking players. And then, look, in terms of some of the re-signings, it's always hard to go past some of the other local players, such as Tash and Hannah, who, are, you know, over the last couple of seasons since I've been at the club, have been really consistent players and performers. And, um, you know, they really do their bit in contributing. And we've been a competitive outfit for the last few years, and, they're, they're two key players to that. So, look, as a whole, we're, we're in a great place and we've got one or two more signings to, to tidy up the squad and then we're going to be ready to go. I think the signing of Millie Farrow is really good because she's only 27, but she's got so much experience that she can um, help the younger players with, with all her, with her experience that she's had playing in England and in America. I, I think that's a, a cracking signing both on and off the field and, and hopefully younger players will see what she's developed and, and done in her career and, and aspire to be at least that level moving forward. Mm. Oh, I couldn't have said it better myself, mate. You know, I think um, you don't play for some of the clubs that she's played for. You know, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Leicester, um, under-23, England Youth mm. International. You don't get there unless you've got a certain level of football quality but also a level of humility and and experience and, and, and really good values of, as to what it looks like to be a professional footballer. So, you know, she's definitely got the assignment of um, playing a part in role modelling, great behaviour and great habits, which, you know, for some of those younger players that I just mentioned we've, we've secured, mm. that's going to be invaluable. And that's, that's a legacy thing, and that's really important for us. Um, and it's one thing from when we do bring in overseas signings, we, we really make sure we do our due diligence, due diligence to it, that they can bring more than just football. We want... We want other things that can lead can be left with the with the squad and the club uh, well beyond their tenure. Who have you signed in the goalkeeping space, Alex? Yeah, so we've retained the the services of Morgan Aquino, which you know we're obviously really excited about. She's a she's a local product who has got an abundance of potential, and um, this season shaping up to be a really important one for her. We've also secured the services of Sally James, who's another young goalkeeper. She was at Melbourne City last season, um, and she's going to come in. And you know that we've got great depth across the whole squad, and I think that's another really important factor. Mm. And who's on your coaching staff this season? Yeah, so we're we're still going through the final stages of securing all the staff. Um, so we're for me again, cohesiveness and, and consistency is always really important. Familiar faces and people that are able to bring the best out of the entire group. You know, I'm I'm confident enough to know that I bring a certain skill set and then I've got to surround myself with uh, with other staff who, who can bring other skills and uh, make sure that we're covering everything we need to from our entire coaching team. Um, I note this year that Perth Glory are not jumping on board with the junior players go free or junior juniors go free to the games. Um, I had a chat to Perth Glory about that. Um, do you want to chat us through that? Um, that, that what's behind that? Yeah, look, um, if I'm being completely honest, so I, I don't have all the details and I'm not completely across all the information around that. Um, the reality is it's, it's obviously a great initiative and I think from what I have been told recently is that it might be some movement on that. 
but I yeah I just don't have enough information that's that I can you know provide uh, yes, more detailed uh, comment on it. I, I didn't mean to back in, into the corner there. I, I actually had a chat to the Glory staff about that and they said that um, instead what they'd prefer to do is go out to the schools. So um, I take that as that the club is going to get on board with the players and going out into the school space to try and encourage and promote people and families to get to the games. Yeah, and look, I think any initiative that the clubs do, not just Perth Glory, but... Uh, across the entire competition. I think any initiative is a great initiative and we really need to do our best to, to work off the back of the great momentum that's been created in women's football after this World Cup campaign. The community is of utmost important like, to, to me and, and the playing group and we saw that with really healthy numbers last year at Macedonia Park with all our home fixtures. We, I think we were doubling the average attendance across the whole competition for each one of our home games. Yep. And that created a really special atmosphere. Now, for me, that was a, it's a great starting point, but you know, we would love and we will work very hard from a playing group to, to put on a show which attracts more, more supporters and members to get behind the team. And whatever initiatives are required, from my point of view, we'll, um, we'll always make ourselves available. Do, do, sorry, does that mean that the players are going to be out going to the schools? Is that part of the Yeah, program? I mean, that's something that, that's been in play over the last couple of years. Um, we've had players do run camps over holidays, uh, going to school visits, player visits and, and player connection and interaction, something that across the A-League men's and A-League women's team I know that the club's really um, focused on. And, you know, again, it's always trying to do more, but for two years we had the COVID situation and that really played a part in us not being as visible as what we would have liked. But sure. uh, last season and the season coming up, it's a completely different story. So we need to utilise the time that we have to be the best footballers we can, but also... Um, you know, be a, a fantastic uh, showpiece for, for the community, and that means going out there and, and interacting and connecting. And, and Alex, with with the World Cup and the new audience that has come on board that, that maybe didn't even know that Perth Glory had a women's team, do you just want to mm-hmm. t- tell these people where you play, what they, what you know, what type of thing they can expect at the game, and and, and just try and sell it so we can get more people through the gate, really? <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's. A, it's a, it's an interesting one. You know, we, I'm a really proud coach of 23 individuals who have worked tirelessly and, and really hard and sacrificed a lot to, to be a professional footballer, to represent Perth Glory in the best state, best state they possibly can. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the, the product itself is very, very exciting. And I don't believe anyone would have left, left a match last season at Macedonia Park thinking it was a dull game. Mm. We, um, you know, there's a lot of goals, there's a lot of, last-minute heartbreak or, or, or jubilation. It's, it's, um, it's really an exciting uh, product. And the team is fantastic and the players are fantastic. And, look, what I would say to anyone who comes out is give it a go and I'm sure you won't be, um, you won't be disappointed. And I, I know firsthand a lot of the kids, um, you know, they're the ones that really drive it. And, you know, the parents are hooked on it as well. So I, I think... Give us the chance to, uh, to win you over, and I'm sure you won't be disappointed. Where does the State Football Centre play a role in Perth Glory for this season? It's a good question. Um, look, we've got a we've got a agreement to continue to play at Macedonia Park, which has been fantastic to us over the last two seasons, and I believe there, there's still an ongoing agreement there for this season and beyond. Um, but you know, if there's a 
there's a world-class facility that's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, almost completed or in the final stages being complete. Um, you know, if it's an option that we that will help preparation and performance, then, you know, I'm sure the club will look into that. Um, but, you know, having a good relationship with, with Football West is, a, is another really important part of what we're doing. So I'll leave that uh, to, to those above. But, yeah, if there's, if there's an opportunity to integrate and interact, then let, let's explore it. Do you train and play at, or will you be training and playing at Macedonia? Uh, no, so we'll continue to train at fields that are located close to our headquarters at Fremantle. Um, by doing that, we, we've got access to our, our gym, our high-performance centre, our recovery um, equipment there. So that that's really important for us. You know, we're, we're now looking at, you know, training days, you know, starting, kicking off anywhere between 8am and finishing at 12, 1 o'clock. Um, so... The, the time on field and the time required to really prepare these players in a professional setting, having resources around you is really important. And at Freo, uh, in our headquarters, we've got those resources. So to train close to that makes the most sense. Um, and that way, as I said, we can help the players best prepare, not just as footballers, but as athletes. Yeah, I think sometimes people get a little bit confused about the NTC system and the elite program there and the Perth Glory and the connect to the club. So just to establish that NTC's National Training Centre, some of the Perth Glory players are drafted from there and it's kind of like a pathway. And then there's the State Football Centre, which has just been opened. I'm not quite sure everything's ready, but I know the State Cup final is going to be held there. I think it's September the 2nd, but that date, I'm not quite sure. Um, so that'll be the first fixture that's there. I'm not sure it's ready for anything else at this moment. And then we've got Perth Glory, like you said, the HQ in Fremantle. I think Fremantle Oval, isn't it, Alex? Yeah. Right, yes, at, the it is. right at the hub of Fremantle, near the markets as a navigator. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of Perth Glory taking on board and pulling the women's team un- under their wing there. So there's a little bit of disconnect. And I kind of hope, Alex, that Perth Glory will eventually land at the State Football Centre and there'll be a hub of football and that's where it will be. What do you think about that? Does that sound like a, a nice... Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, look, I think the, the utopia idea across the country is that we want more football-specific domains that are high-performance-based and that are run by the clubs or at least have great connect uh, relationships with the, with the member federations so that we can, you know, cross-utilise those top-end resources. Um that's that's a that's an issue and a question across the whole country, mm. um, and I know that firsthand, especially being from the east coast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately, if we if we can have a really strong relationship with the with the local member fed as well as the NTC, you know, that's really going to benefit us until we at least have our own full time academy underpinning our elite women's team. The NTC has done a phenomenal job in developing players. They've got great staff and they're they're well directed there and. You know, we've obviously, from the three signings of the local players already this season, plus previously we've had Hannah Lowry, Bella Wallhead, etc., Abby Green, come through the NTC and make a great transition into A-League women. So um, we, we need to do our bit to maintain a really strong relationship there. Yeah, we need the connect from grassroots, identification of the best players in whichever yep. way that happens. Um, yep. you, you said three players. It's not a, like a... Uh, like a criteria or a moratorium on the number of players that can come from local players or NTC, is there? No, there's not, no. Okay, great. So anyone who's the best that you might be scouting can be up for Perth Glory selection? Yeah, that's right. And look, it's not, you know, for whatever reason, some players may not choose to go through NTC, whether it be, you know, location-based or commitment-based. 
a lot of the MPL clubs as well have got some fantastic programs and coaches leading that. And, um, you know, we, we have in the past and, and we'll be signing players from some of those MPL teams as well. So, look, I think the reality is the more pathways we have at a, at a top end, the better. And then we've got a, a pool of players that are potentially ready to play for Perth Glory. Mm. Um, and, you know, a lot of the clubs have been really supportive with their communication in, in sending me insight and information on potential players to look at closely. And, you know, if we're all pulling in the one direction, then we've got more chance of a really strong, healthy Perth Glory team now and into the future. And that's something that's really important to me. Yes. Now, before we let you go, uh, here's one for you. Uh, Alan Stajic has done a fantastic job with the Philippines getting them to their first Women's World Cup, uh, one of the eight debutants, which is pretty amazing. We've had eight debutants in the Women's World Cup. And I'm just going to say World Cup. Don't need to put the women's part in there. It's just a World Cup. World Cup. Um, And we've landed Alan Stajic here in the, the Perth Glory yep. space. And now you, I know that you both have an affiliation. I know that you're as part of his coaching team with the Philippines and he's now stepped out of that role, I believe. Is there a space there for you to be stepping up as a national coach <laughs> in the future? Oh, look, I mean, what I would say first and foremost, the fact that um, Alan and his staff have, have come to the club is a fantastic sort of get for us. Um, he's a fantastic operator, a great leader, and he's really inspiring with what he does. And to have that opportunity, which I did to be part of the, uh, the Women's World Cup with him, was uh, for me really remarkable and, and something I took a lot took a lot away from that experience. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of me, long term, look, I think the reality is I just work really hard in what I'm doing currently and presently. I, I love what I do. I'm one of those fortunate people that really enjoys getting out of bed every day and going to work because. It's an exciting, you know, industry to be be in, and you get to work with people, and you get to be, um, you know, in the in the cauldron of competition, which is where I really enjoy being. But you know, look, I think the reality is, is any coach, like any player, has they just want to be the best that they can, and um, where that takes you over the course of a career, that's sometimes that you don't even know what what's around the corner. But um, look, I just work hard with what I'm doing currently. That was very political of you. It was, it was, deflected it, really it well. Great yeah. an, it was a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, well done on um, working with, with Stage with the World Cup team, with the Philippines, and that's a great catch, and it is uh, a good step in your football portfolio for sure. We're, we're lucky yeah. to have you, and, and well done for you know being back with Perth Glory again for I don't know how many years it is now, three, four? Going into my uh, my fourth season, the time's certainly flown. You know, there's obviously been a lot of um, difficult moments, especially around the COVID period. But there's been a lot of great moments, and you know, I've loved I've loved being in Perth for the last couple of years. It's it's um, a fantastic city, and yeah, I mean, four four the four years have just gone gone so quick. Yep. And I'm look, I'm really excited about what's around the corner, and um, I'm passionate about what I'm doing, and. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll do. We'll do our best to, to continue to build on the work we've done in, in the previous years, and hopefully that gives everyone something really, really powerful to get behind. And yeah, let's see. Good. Good to know. Alex. You've done a great job. Thanks for chatting with us, and uh, we look forward to the season starting. Go Glory! Yeah, I really appreciate your support and interest, and yeah, we look forward to touching base soon. Good on you. Thanks, Alex. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, guys. You too. Bye. Bye. Alex Epakis, Perth Glory coach, four years now. Wow. Four years. That's, that's a lifetime in football management these days, isn't it? It was rather quiet that he was helping out Alan Sajic in the 
the assistant mm. role or the, or the background I, 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 coaching I'll be honest, role. I didn't realise that. So um, mm. yeah. makes you wonder how much talk they'll have this season Absolutely, at what level. the connect will be and yeah. how that will affect men's, women's mm, parts yeah. of the game there. We're going to go to a Interesting break. Interesting times. Yes, mm. and come back and talk more football, of course, with David Timberman. This is Penn and Jim on the World Football Programme. For football's sake. For the sake of our registered players. There's 37,000 of them. For the sake of the game. For the sake of the dozens of high achievers who are already flying the WA flag in the world's best football leagues. For the sake of our visitors from Asia and beyond whose cultures are woven through football. For the sake of Perth Glory, the state's A-League team, which aims to inspire the next generation. For the sake of the mums and the dads, the fans, the followers and the football faithful who are steeped in the most popular sport on the planet. Football needs a home. Football deserves a home. Every family needs a home. For football's sake. Do we really believe they come from somewhere else? Leagues in far-off lands. Galaxies full of superstars. What if they were made right here? In the city streets and sun-drenched suburbs. Small towns and home grounds. Our parks and pitches aren't just rectangles of dirt and turf. They're fertile grounds where greatness is unearthed. Where rogage was raised. Where curls grown. Even if they end up there, they all start here. of our eyes and hearts and right here is where you'll find the next one welcome back to the world football program pen and jim here 107.9 fm if you miss any part of the show you can go to the world football Podcast, that's with a double M-E, which I believe is now old-fashioned in any sense of the word, but I'm going to put it in because when we started the show, it was double M-E, and I'm not ever changing it. Just saying. <laughs> too, Dave, much, too much paperwork yeah. to change. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, David Templeman, WA Minister for Sport. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Good, good morning, Penny and Jim. How are you? We're super awesome. I believe that you are the man to have on the quiz table. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, can't, I, have been known, I have been known to... Um, to uh, um, do that, of course, and the in terms of the in terms of the uh, you know the quiz 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 quick quiz questions, you can throw one at me, and I'm usually pretty good. You're a pretty good quiz master as well, though, David. I've been to a, a couple of your quizzes where you've been the quiz master, and it's been cracking, entertaining evenings. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I always think it, I always think a quiz night's got to be full of bit. You got to have a bit of fun with a quiz night because otherwise, uh, otherwise. Um, You'll, uh, you know, you'll... Uh, Tune out and won't you know, focus. And, and, and people have got to have a good time too. Absolutely. Did, did you just say that uh, when you uh, go to a quiz night, you've got to be full of it? Is that what you just said? <laughs> well, that, 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 can, that can sometimes help. That, that can sometimes help. <laughs> hey, Dave, let, let's talk uh, football. Um, the government has just pledged $200 million into women's sport. How will that relate here in WA? And... Really, do we not need money in sport in general? Like, I think post Women's World Cup and post any international sporting event that we hold on our shores, we want to improve the facilities and allow more people to play football. How's that going to happen here in Perth? Like, how's it going to relate to us here in Perth? 
Well, uh, the federal government announced today a $200 million uh, project or, or a funding commitment to call Play Our Way, which uh, our understanding is focused on sporting facilities and equipment. So what we're expecting, and obviously we'll have some conversations, I understand the uh, the details will be released in more detail uh, uh, in the next little while, and, and then those applications for those funds will be available uh, early next year. What we'll do is, of course, uh, make sure we get all the detail and make sure we've got a, a, a strong priority list to um, to access that funding. We want to make sure that that uh, supplements what we've already done in terms of uh, additional facilities, particularly upgrades for uh, sporting facilities that haven't in the past um, or don't at the moment, uh, uh, you know, deliver to uh, the needs of particularly with girls and young women. So uh, we've had a program for a while now, which has been our, obviously our nightlights program, so lighting up facilities and train, so more training and more games can be played under lights, uh, and also uh, upgrades to change rooms and uh, new change room areas for girls and young women, and that'll continue. But this money is a good uh, a good announcement from the federal government. Um, in terms of sport more broadly, we'll look, we always are looking for new, more investment in sport more generally, and that's why we're doing work now uh, with regard to... Uh, I'm doing some work with the Minister for Education, for example, about uh, continuing to get more access to playing fields that are currently sanctioned off just for school use. Um, we want to see more of that. That um, conversation has been going on for decades, Dave. But it's working, Penny. Uh, look, you know, there's some good. Uh, there's some good. I mean, down my way, Mandra, the uh, the Lakelands facility, which uh, I was able to get some money for for the uh, facilities there, sees uh, some good uh, um, some good uh, cross cross uh, cross usage from the school and from communities. Uh, we're going to have to see more of that because the reality is, uh, when you develop a new school, you need to make sure that those fields are accessible. Yes. Yeah. And look, it, I think. Um Anthony Albanese said a great comment in amongst, you know, well done Australia and we're proud of you Australia for World Cup um, feat. He said, we want more people playing sport because they'll be healthier and if they're healthier, they won't be in the medical system and then that doesn't cost us all, all the consequences later on and I'm thinking, why aren't we making more of that? Like, we, we're going to have all this money put into sport. We've got all these people wanting to play sport because they're inspired by the Matildas and Socceroos and whatever else and really, we want kids out of rooms and people out of off the social platforms although it really does help spread the word there's social platforms but we want them out of their rooms and and off their devices and in the fresh air on the grass or in a five-a-side court as it might be playing sport because that's going to make them healthy and out of the medical system like why are we making more of that look i think there's no doubt that there is a strong yeah that, that everyone understands that if we've got people particularly you know, young young people uh, from a very early age actively engaged in sport, both organised and uh, and uh, informal um, sporting opportunities, uh, both at school and after school and on weekends, then we're going to get healthier citizens. We're going to get young people who uh, enjoy being outdoors rather than being confined to their, their homes. Look, I think there's a, there's a strong will for that. And um, by providing the facilities and making sure it's easier access and it's affordable. I think one of the other things we've got to look at is, uh, you know, what it costs to uh, play uh, any code of sport and a how we can drive down the costs. Affordable and accessible. A a absolutely. And so, you know, I think we need to look at, uh, you know, what costs, what, how much it costs. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, we're looking at um, 
uh, rejigging uh, kids' sport, for example, to make the scope of that broader so that uh, uh, currently it's $150 per, mm. per um, uh, child that's um, eligible. I think that should be increased and I think it should be expand the, uh, the reach of how many kids are, you know, that, that's uh, that available to. We also want to make sure that, um, you know, uh, the, the, we build the volunteers in sport too because we know that how much we rely on people uh, putting their hand up to volunteer, whether it's as, as a coach, whether it's as a team manager, whether it's as a person who uh, marks the field and is out there doing and preparing the, the uh, courts for, uh, for kids to play. All of that takes volunteer effort too, so we've got to make sure we've got, a, we've got programs uh, for that. And that's where um, uh, the, uh, the program True Sports being run by uh, Sports West is important. True Sport is all about uh, supporting those that, make the sport happen for kids and young people. Uh, we've got to make sure those sorts of programs are supported as well. And uh, I'm pleased that True Sport is now um, becoming uh, uh, entrenched and we've supported that this year for uh, nearly, uh, nearly uh, $800,000 to uh, make sure that that keeps getting uh, rolled out. Dave, what do you think is the wash after the World Cup for Perth? So we've got a couple of... Uh, I should mention this too. The Fan Festival is open for Saturday and Sunday for the third and fourth place and the final of the World Cup. So FanFest in Forest Place or Chase, whatever you feel familiar with, uh, Saturday 3 to 10.30, Sunday 3 to 9 p.m. So thanks, Peter Wright, for messaging that to me. So if you don't have a fan watch place to go to in your local club or your mate's place, go to Perth. And I have to say the Fan Festival, Dave, has been pretty successful in the latter parts of the World Cup. It's had lines down them all for each of the games, which has created an awesome experience. So well done to Perth for that. Oh, look, the Fan Festival's been brilliant, uh, brilliant numbers there. And look, I think people actually quite like coming together uh, for big matches like these, uh, whether it's actually watching the game. So we had brilliant, uh, you know, audiences, uh, uh, patrons turning up to HBF Stadium for the, the five FIFA Women's World Cup games that were held here. Uh, brilliant crowds. You know, a lot of... And then the diversity of the crowd was what excited me. I mean, you looked at the crowds uh, that went to the games here in Perth and they were, you know, across demographics, uh, young people, uh, young men watching the, the women's game, uh, lots of kids with their with their parents and their grandparents. And then the multicultural community turned out in great force. I mean, it was uh, fantastic to see, you know, the Ireland game. Uh, yes. The, the, sea, the Sea of Irish uh, Green, yes. you know. So, they were vocal. You know, it was fa- it, it, it was fa- oh, they were brilliant. I mean, I, I went to that game and I thought it was just fantastic. But, you know, so I think it demonstrates you put on you put on a, 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 a an opportunity like this for the sporting uh, spectator and they'll come in there, in this case, tens of thousands. Um, the Fan Festival is all part of how you build that broader community support behind the, the event. Um, and that'll happen, I think, for lots of events coming forward now. We've learnt from that that those things work so well. Look, in terms of the the, uh, the legacy, well, thankfully we now finally have a football centre, a centre for football in WA, uh, which has just opened. So that's going yes. to that's going to play an integral part um, in in how the game is is both obviously played and 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 open to the community and delivered. I think the great, and I've said this to you, Penny and Jim, uh, on, on a couple of occasions in the lead-up to the FIFA Women's World Cup, for, for me, this is about how football now really snares its uh, its market share. 
this is no longer, honestly, I don't think this Perth or WA is is no longer just an AFL dominated um, state. I think football has shown how it can really become embedded across demographics and across both genders as a game of of great skill, of great um, uh, excitement, and of course, brilliant for fitness and brilliant for uh, you know keeping kids uh, on on the on the ground. So, I think now it's up to football to take full advantage of that. And uh, I think you'll see that, and we're already seeing, you know, talking to the the people at uh, Football West, um, you know, interest in the, in the game from junior level right through is uh, at an all time high now. Uh, inquiries about, uh, you know, how how do I get onto a field? How do I get part of a team? How do I can I my my girl or boy play next year or in the next season? Is is already being um, received from Football West. So look, the scene is set for football, in my view. To, to make its genuinely make its mark as a as a major competitor to AFL uh, as a, as a key code in, in WA in WA going forward and uh, it's now up to all of us who love the game to uh, maximise that opportunity. I, I think that's a two way street though, isn't it? Because we've also got to hope and rely on the mainstream media to also promote the game. Um, yes, football can do its bit and we can shout from the rooftops about our game, but. If the mainstream media, like you know, the the, the newspapers and and the, the states' news bulletins, can give a bit more football access and football exposure rather than just at World Cups, then I think that's where we win. Because even now, you still look and um, okay, the World Cups on, but my, my fear is that in seven days' time, I'm with you. On we're, that. we're going back yeah. to the the, the newspaper yeah. that you have to flick through the first six. Well, the first back the back page you have to go to page six of the back page to see any football news if we're lucky. So I think the mainstream media have also got a part to play in promoting the game in the state, in the country and, and, and making it just as accessible and popular as everyone else. There's a lot to unpack there because we as fans can purchase our A-League memberships and we can go to our local clubs and we can sign up and we can do all that and we can have the highest number of participants in Australia. We're outstripped Which we e- have everyone got, else. Yeah. Absolutely. But do we have the exposure and the... Um, so the, the support. The, of yeah, the, yeah. yeah. And, and that brings with it the financial rewards as well. Mm. That brings the sponsors and the viability to keep the clubs like Perth League going and put more resources or, in, into the women to keep them um, from leaving Western Australia to go elsewhere, mm. for example. Um, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, David. And, you know, we, you should have the answers for us because you're the State Minister for Sport and you should be telling us, you know, how we're talking about. Well, I'll tell you what, look, I, I, no, I, no one pressure. of the things that, Jim, Jim, I, Jim, I do agree with you. I think, uh, you know, uh, we're, a, we're a sort of a, our, our media in, in Western Australia is fairly, um, you know, uh, uh, it's a mono, monocosm in many respects. But look, the, the reality is this has opened a lot of people's eyes up. I think if, you know, if you were a major corporate um, a corporate supporter, if you like, looking to support a, a growing sport, then I think your eyes would be on football. You'd see the potential. And, uh, absolutely. So I think uh, part of it is going to be uh, response, you know, Football West, for example, going out and saying, OK, you know, we've, we've delivered this remarkable... Um, uh, you know, focus on on football through FIFA Women's World Cup. Uh, let's go and talk to the corporates because I think there is corporate interest out there about uh, wanting to be more more strongly involved in the game. That will, of course, bring uh, greater media attention too. But I think it's up to all of us to you know. I mean, I, I I'll be having conversations with 
media about senior media people here about what can you do to maximise um, the game. They've got a they've got a requirement in terms of their finances, of course. But uh, I think we, we, we've only just seen how many eyeballs were on those games over the last uh, yes. a few weeks. Yeah. And uh, that eyeball when there's lots of eyeballs on games, that's dollars in yes. the eyes of, mm. uh, of of the media. Yes. So. I think we're in a strong position, but yeah, Jim, absolutely take your point. We don't want to sort of, you know, in 10 days' time go, oh, that was great, it was a nice sugar hit, but, mm. um, you know, we're back to the, the same old, uh, you know, dominance by the AFL. Um, you know, the AFL is important, but, gee, football's in such a good position, in my view, too, now. And, of course, the other thing is we've got the Matildas uh, coming to Perth in good October, man. so yeah. we, we, we should be now looking, okay, FIFA's going to, we'll see the game coming up uh, on the weekend um, and then the final. And then we've got the um, the Matildas to look forward to too in, in October. So we've got to make every post a winner. Um, and when you've got such a marketable team now like the Matildas, and they're very marketable, um, uh, apart from our own uh, Sam Kerr, then uh, I think things are in, in a good position. We've just got to pull every lever we can to maximise that, uh, that opportunity. Don't... And that means... You know, that means our, our, our little clubs, our junior clubs and our, and our clubs throughout about WA, seeing that opportunity too, about how within their own community, they can uh, really offer an alternative to what has been uh, in some, some parts of, the, of, of WA, you know, a, a, um, a, a dominating code like AFL. Dave, I think we should unpack that just a little bit before you let you go. Just uh, by the way, for listeners out there, the Olympic qualifiers are happening in October, the 26th of October to the 1st of November at HBF. Tickets range from a minimum of 15 bucks for a junior through to 70 bucks for an adult and then family passes from 65 to 160 and then there's three-day passes, so they were individual ticket prices. Um, no times yet. I don't know what the actual times of the games are going to be unless, Jim, you can tell me. I, I couldn't see any on the I, website that I was looking. So I, I, I've got the... Uh, so the also, there's double headers, so you're getting two games for the price of one. Yep. Uh, I've got yep. the first game on the 26th, uh, the Matildas against Iran, being a 7 o'clock kickoff. Okay, so 7 o'clock West Australia time. time. Nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's that's nice and healthy. Get to the game. That's good. Um, so my question will be, and Jim and I have already discussed this, Dave, is that a lot of our Matildas are now playing internationally in Europe and UK in the Women's Soccer League, or the, sorry, the Women's Super League in England, um, including uh, Chelsea, Sam Kerr, um, and the dates that these games are on are the dates when their teams are playing in England. So how are we going to accommodate that? Are you Can you personally go and get Sam Kerr and make sure she comes here? Is that going to happen? <laughs> uh, look, I, 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 uh, I tell you what we, we need here because we, we want to see Sam back at home. She hasn't been here for a little while in terms of playing, yes. so um, we want to see her here. Look, though... Um, Conversations with Football Australia, of course, are, are ongoing about how you know what what actually the team um, uh, will look like in in terms of the ones that come here. But uh, they are a qualifier, so uh, my understanding is that it's an important factor. Um, look, we we will get some more information about that hopefully as soon as as we possibly can, because uh, I think everyone's expectation is they want to see the world's best here, playing for the Matildas and the, and against those teams that are. Uh, part of the qualifier and uh, um, what arrangements might be made with regard to their uh, their commitments uh, at their own teams in um, in the UK uh, yep. uh, need to be need to be clarified I agree with you look uh, it, it is something that we're, we've, we've 
we are uh, pursuing about further, you know, clarification about who we're going to see here. Yes. Okay. Dave, I'm sure we'll talk more about that before the game, and uh, or we'll know as soon as um, you know there's more information about that. It'll affect the ticket sales, A- absolutely. Yeah, it will. Yeah. yeah. Um, and look, uh, you know, I, I know there's been lots of conversations about, you know, the um, uh, whether it should be at HBF or whether it should be at the Optus. Ultimately, there's still further tickets that haven't been released for HBF, um, which still need, which are controlled by uh, Football Australia. So we. We want to make sure that the tickets are available for those games as soon as possible. All the tickets available, um, and uh, and we'll um, that'll give us a, a bit of an indication of just how strongly supporting the uh, these qualifying games are going to be uh, are going to be by the uh, the paying public here in WA. I think that you'll find that the football audience here will pretty much be all in agreement that they'll want to have the nice cosy football stadium as close as possible to the ground yeah. not a not full stadium further from the ground and I, and I think that's the sense well, that's my sense too um, you know look HBF now with its upgrades you know 40 50 million dollar worth of upgrades there to be ready for the FIFA Women's World Cup um, that's made that ground such a, a, an attractive ground now it's, you know, it's world class and I don't know you would have been to a number of games I, I thought All that was just a beautiful you know it was a, just a beautiful um <laughs> Beautiful uh, 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 place to be. It was exciting, uh, great atmosphere. Facilities were great, and and the pitch was brilliant. Um, all of the ingredients made that I think a, a really high, a high high quality place to go and watch football. Yeah, I was at all of the games. I volunteered, and I was a guest at one. I was absolutely bloody proud to be there. I can tell you. And and look, Penny and Penny and Jim, can I just also just say how how wonderful you know the volunteers that were part of the FIFA Women's World Cup in Perth here were remarkable. One of the friendliest bunch of people I've ever met, but also just it, it was wonderful. We had so many people coming out to volunteer yes. to put on what, a world class event. Come from all over the, the world. Some people from yeah, Russia and, and England just to yeah. get there to Perth. It's crazy. And if and if that's what we can do, and then we demonstrate that's what we can do for a uh, you know a, a world class act like that. Um, imagine what we could do if the if the if the men's World Cup came to Australia. <laughs> oh, that. that would be second level to the women's World Cup. Come on! Can, can I suggest? Too, I, I, I think the minute that that gets announced, that Perth needs a fifty thousand rectangular stadium to be filled. <laughs> Jim, you're talking you're talking my language. <laughs> hey, Jim, Jim and Jim and Penny, it's great to join you again, and I I really enjoy having a conversation with you guys. Thanks for. Your support that you give to football in WA is remarkable and so important. We love it. Thank you for joining us, Dave. Good to join you. Bye-bye. Have a good weekend. See ya. That was Dave Templeman, WA Minister for Sports. Yep, he could just talk all day. A bit like Hayley, really. Mm. I think they could probably have a little competition. Maybe, maybe one week they should come in the studio <laughs> and we could sit at home and listen. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Uh, yes. Yeah. Men's World Cup, can you see it? I still can't see it, unfortunately. Here in Perth? Well, yeah, in Australia. Can you see it? I think the time zones. That's the... I think I just... I'd love it, but it's yeah, not... Yeah, all these amalgamated World Cups are, are really interesting in my head. I, I think of how you'd plan the trips to visit them, to catch as many games as you could because mm. you'd want to, and the time zones you have to go across. And I just But think... then I read about these joint bids, and I think I read in the week that there was an option of a joint bid between West Australia... Singapore and Malaysia. How would that work? I mean, the eastern states wouldn't be very happy, would they? But because they're all on that same time zone, that yeah. was that was something I read this week that there's a someone mentioned this Asia West Australian 
joint bed? I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm a <laughs> traditionalist. I, I like it to be in one place. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Should be in one place in one country. But, but the cost. But I understand that spreading it around spreads the love mm. and the exposure mm. and maybe some of those places need the exposure, mm. the increased participation or, or whatever it is. I, I don't know the answer. I don't. I don't know at all. <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed this ride. It's been a good one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back and talk more football very shortly. This is Penn and Jim on the World Football Program. Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, Veron. Hi. I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle and we appreciate you tuning in. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron is a fourth generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Jim in the studio and Robbie Thompson is our guest. World Cup match commentator. Hello, Robbie. Hello, Penny and Jim. How's it going? Pretty good. Is that a pretty, like... High-end title for you, World Cup match commentator. Is that like the biggest thing on your portfolio now? Um, it, it probably is actually. It's um, it's been a very special month. I was very very happy to get the call up um, to work for FIFA as a as a commentator. I've worked for them on the last um, five World Cups in in various you know roles and behind the scenes and dogs bodies type roles just to be involved. And so this was a a nice little uh, personal reward. But, of course, the main thing is that, that it's just been a spectacular month for everyone. So, yes. yeah, aside from myself, it's been brilliant. Yes, it has. We were just talking to the sports minister for WA, Dave Templeman, about the Matildas coming to Perth for the Olympic qualifiers. Absolutely. And we yeah. were just kind of... And just... I'll, I'll be coming too for the whole week. 
Nice. Oh, In a professional capacity yeah. or a social one? Absolutely. Nice. No, well, hopefully a bit of both. <laughs> well, you might be able to but come be, and join I'll us be, in I'll the be, studio. Imagine. Ooh. Well, fingers oh. crossed. How, uh, I'm, well, I'll be commentating the, the Matildas game and wow. we'll be there. Network 10 and Paramount Plus will be there on the ground. So it's, uh, it's good. We're going to be continuing to ride that wave. Yes, we were just talking about the teams that were going to be playing in those qualifiers and HBF Park versus Optus Stadium and the capacities are very different and we haven't sold all the tickets for HBF. They haven't sold out and Dave was saying there's more to be released. Yeah, they released them in blocks, didn't they? Yeah. They said they did it for the yeah. World Cup yeah. as well. So. Yeah, so we're just thinking, you know, as a football tragic, we like to be close to the action and have a nice atmosphere and Optus doesn't really give that. And no. would we fill it? Not sure. Be a bit further away. And the teams that are playing uh, Iran, Philippines and Chinese Ch- Taipei. Taipei. <clears throat> so I'm not sure they're like going to be giant games for everybody to want to get to in terms of the entertainment or, or quality. Um, some building nations there. We saw Philippines in the World Cup. and Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yes, no, no, they'll they'll be they'll be good games, and there's no as we saw in the World Cup, there's no such thing as a an easy game anymore. We saw we saw that firsthand, and I think uh, a few other bigger reputed nations saw that as well. But I think HBF is the the perfect option, isn't yes. it? You want these are competitive matches. Let's not forget. And yeah. I know we should we should qualify easily enough, but we want to create an atmosphere that you know a little bit intimidating for the other teams. We saw what seventy five thousand in Sydney can do to to your opposition if they haven't experienced that before. Um, I think a lot of teams have seen what big crowds, how you have to deal with it. So if we can get a, you know, a passionate, colourful, noisy HBF to, uh, to to work on our, in our favour and on our side, let's go for it. Yes, uh, we're a little bit concerned here that we're going to get all our Matildas here right in the middle of the European football season when their clubs are playing. Yeah. And that, so hopefully they we will get them though. I mean they've got to have a week off now um, after today, or probably I think probably two weeks off. Most clubs would would prefer to see them. I mean the seasons are just they're in pre-season now. Lots of the the women's seasons, so they'll just have really kicked off by the time they've got to come back for these for these matches. But look, it's an international window. They have to be released if 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 we need them, um, and we do. We'll. That's something for the federation to chat to the clubs about, and also the players. But hopefully, if we can use it as a, a little return home and, and congratulations for everything you've achieved over over this month. And and we need them back because we need to keep this bandwagon rolling. Yeah, can you have a word to them for us, Robbie? You know, you're a professional high end. Yeah, just <laughs> make a few calls for us. We really want to see Sam Sam here. Like I know Sam wants to come here and play, and I know that she's got a professional yeah, obligation. But Perth. We really want to see Sam here. I mean, she's our our star. She's the only West Australian. Well, we, we could talk Lydia Williams and yeah. a few others, but like our number one player is Sam Kerr. We want her playing in front of us so we can say, hi, Sam, and say thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Yep, we said that together. Absolutely. Did you get that? Well, yeah. <laughs> not, bad for any, not bad for an Englishman, is it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's, let's talk um, Women's World Cup uh, final, third and fourth place, and, and the grand final, which is happening, or the final. Um, most watched game ever for a World Cup, Women's World Cup. I don't know. How does that compare to a Men's World Cup? Any ideas on the metrics for that one? Anyone? For in Australia? Um, no, I'm talking worldwide. Or- Anywhere, 
worldwide. Yeah. Do we, yeah. Do we know? know? But certainly, mm. I think the figures probably for the men are still a little bit larger just because of the a lot of other countries where the where the women's game is not as developed probably as 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 the men. I mean, there are countries that bowed out early and the big nations just lose interest once their teams aren't in it as well. I mean, Germany would have been a, a solid one, Italy as well. But for the tournament, I mean, the tournament's broken every single possible record yes. for, for a Women's World Cup. It's just been, I think, it's exceeded everyone's wildest expectations. And, and not just in terms of fans and metrics and broadcasts, but in terms of the quality of the football and the entertainment value for, I mean, the Australians have gone to games because after the sort of first two weeks, everyone realised, my God, we have to go to these games. This is spectacular. This is the hottest ticket in town. Yes. And the rest of the world has, has, has followed that as well. Robbie, I think the that FIFA really hit the nail on the head when they provided economically, um, you know, able to be reached tickets like the ticket prices have been great so families could get their family passes early and not break the bank not have to you know use a credit card kind of thing so they got masses of people going to the games i mean the average here in perth was i think it's seventeen and a half thousand something like yeah. that mm. it was pretty good uh, and by the way the, yeah. the match we didn't mention that was the loudest was the columbia, columbia. match yeah. i could not believe the amount of colombians in our stadium here in Perth, and they were so loud, louder than the Irish. It was wow. great. <laughs> and and the, the Colombian game, the first Colombia game that I commentated here against Korea. I mean, it was it was Colombia Korea, so not a draw card match um, in the greater scheme of things, at any rate. On a Tuesday at midday in Sydney, on a school day, <laughs> work day, oh, and man. it had twenty seven thousand yeah. people inside the stadium, <laughs> and the noise and the colour was just and that there was a famous Colombian pop star had come out for the event and was putting on a concert straight after the game. So I mean if and the Colombian team was one of the clearly one of the highlights as well. And they're one of the feel good stories because they finished finalists on home soil in the Copper America last year and it was the first time that Colombians realized that they have a great women's team as well. And a little bit like England winning the Euros on home soil. Mm last year as well. And the Colombians just rallied behind their team and they love this team now. The, and the players we saw are, I mean, elite footballers as well. But it's like what we've seen in Australia. And this is happening all over the world now. At last, the women footballers are, are showing and leading the way for professional sport in so many ways. Robbie, one of the questions that they always, as commentators, they always say, especially on the finals, is this game's being shown in 250 countries around the world with a billion people watching. What, how many countries in the world are actually got the final tomorrow? Do you know, offhand? I don't know, but I'd say it's, uh, you know, it would be well over 150. I'll, I can try and find out the the exact figures for you. I mean, it depends if, it, if it's on. I mean, it'd be on free-to-air in most places. Yeah. Um, it's on mid-morning, which was one of the, in Europe anyway, mid-morning in Europe, which was one of the, the problems in negotiating the broadcast rights right, for yeah. a lot of these countries. They were sort of like reticent to put the money forward just because you can't, you can't get that much advertising money. The audiences in front of the TV at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning, midday, are not the same as they are at 7 o'clock at night, 8 yes. o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night in Europe. So that was the that was the the big dilemma. But I think what we've seen in Australia as well, with 
it's exceeded all expectations everywhere. I mean, I, I'm very closely linked to, to France, of course, and I'm, you know, friends there are all watching it. Mm. They've all been watching it every morning, getting up. And even once France were out, I mean, there was France-Australia, which was a, a, a massive match in my family and with my friends. But they were they were all watching it. And the figures in France were like 6 million people watching Les Bleus play. Now, that may not seem very much to what we've just achieved <laughs> with, with our 12 million people or minimum watching the, the Tillies. But, but they are big figures for, you know, mm. an 11 a.m. kickoff on a work day um, in France for a women's football match as well. Because, again, we shouldn't have to put the caveat on everything. But this is groundbreaking. And this tournament has done it by its football, via its football. Everyone has seen and thought, my God, this is really good. Mm. This is competitive. This is entertaining. And we want to watch it. And I think it's raised... A lot of eyebrows. And I, I think a lot of people will be looking ahead to the next tournament and thinking, we really want to be a part of this. Yes, and I think you're right too. <clears throat> and going back to the conversation we had about the teams that are coming to Perth for the Olympic qualifiers, Chinese, Taipei, Philippines and Iran, which weren't features of the World Cup that we're having right now. So people might look at that and go, hmm, not sure if I want to go to those matches. But if you look at the World Cup and see how far that women's football has come in the last four years, and it's on a stage now where the whole world is seeing it, maybe over the past four years you've maybe logged into some streaming devices or onto YouTube or you might have gone and caught a game somewhere. But here it is, everywhere you can find it. Mm. Um, And you can see that it has progressed such a long way in four years. And... I don't know what that's down to, investment, major sponsors, streaming devices, social platforms, um, whatever it is, in the last four years it's progressed more than I've ever seen women's football before and it's just the place to be at a women's football match and everybody's going there, Robbie. Like everybody wants to be a part of it and it's just bringing everyone together. Love the conversations around it. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I think think a lot of it is down to the individual national federations who are doing a great job to professionalise and promote the game. I mean, France, and I bring it back to France often, but France's first division is not as highly developed as England, for example. But, you know, they've just um, introduced a professional second division. Mm. So the game is growing. England have been a, a locomotive for the rest of the world in terms of the money invested into the, the WSL. The NWSL in, in America is, is a fantastic league, but the Mexicans have a very good first division as well. There's Scandinavia, there's the rest of Europe, there's, you know, it's growing everywhere. And as we've seen now, the investment in other countries that we didn't know so much, like Morocco, are, are pumping a whole lot of money into North Africa. And that, that as well has been a, a male-dominated territory. And now you're seeing the women get, achieve such results to make the second round is, is brilliant for them. And, you know, it's, and I'll just pull you up on one thing, Penny, when you talk about the Philippines. They were in New Zealand. So, but they were part of the World Cup, <laughs> oh, even yes. though that's a long way from from yes, Perth. Yes. And, and be careful yeah. if you get Alan Sedgwick on your show. Oh no, I didn't I mean they were. I didn't now. mean they weren't in the World Cup. I, oh, oh my God, yeah, we were just talking to um, the Perth Glory uh, coach Alex uh, Packers, who's a, a mate. So no, no, yeah, I didn't mean they exactly, weren't in the World Cup. Yeah. Please don't think that. I, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I was just saying yeah, that they no. weren't big players <laughs> in the World yeah, Cup. So, no, exactly. Yeah. But but they were. They they gave us. You know, a tough game in the Asian Cup last year as well. So those three games, I think Iran are a, are a side that are probably, you know, with a huge potential in the game. They've got a huge population. They've got a massively 
passionate, um, you know, uh, football culture as well. It's male-dominated again. But hopefully we're seeing these tides of change coming through these areas areas as well of, of parts of the world in the Middle East where, where women are just as passionate about football and can play very well. And Iran will be will be a tough game as well. They've proven it time and time again in the men's competition. They've been to World Cups in the men's competition. And it's only a matter of time before they decide to invest it and, and the women will fly as well. Just on the rankings there, England are ranked fourth in the world on the current FIFA ranking, which was June, and I think it'll come out in December or January, the next one. Does that sound about right? Th- Every six I, months? I think they would do the ranking after the World Cup, wouldn't they? Will they? So it might be... Yeah, next. I think there's a bit bit more than that. I think it's probably every two or three months Is it? Okay. that they, they yeah. give a little update. That's, yeah. that's good because I'm sure Australia's ranking will go up a little bit. We're 10th at the moment. And in the Olympic qualifying matches, we've got Chinese Taipei ranked at 37, the Philippines are ranked at 46, and Iran is ranked at 61. So, yeah, wouldn't mm-hmm. it be nice for Australia to creep up? We would have thought the Philippines was all, as well would uh, have crept up, up the rankings after the, the tournament as well. So um, yep. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Their first ever World Cup victory, mm. yeah. of course. So, you know, it's, but it, all, the, all those rankings, I mean, we saw Morocco was 72, I think. We had Colombia were, were down in the rankings as well in the 40s, and we saw what they achieved as well and how good they played as well. So perhaps those rankings can be a little bit deceptive on occasion, but certainly the fact that Australia were in the top four is 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 astounding and just brilliant. I mean, before the tournament, weren't we all thinking what would be acceptable? How far do we think Australia can go? And the general, I think, general consensus was quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. Everyone will mm-hmm. be happy. We'll be happy with the quarterfinal. We'll think, okay, we've done well enough. We're in the top eight. That's good. Anything above that is bonus, and we got that bonus. We got two more games now and the chance to get a bronze medal. So, you know, it, I think. You can look at the rankings, but also it's how you how you perform in a month, and you can go beyond your wildest expectations. Let's talk about um, some other stats: uh, top goal scorers, um, some of the better players from the tournament, um, some of the players that have started to shine who we didn't know about before. Um, goal of the tournament? Can we say Sam Kerr? Uh, is that being totally biased? It's up there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, it's, it's probably a little bit biased, but I think you're entitled to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the best. Yeah, there's been some pretty damn good goals in the tournament. And you know what? I I keep saying to myself, who are the better players in this tournament? Who's started to shine? And I'm thinking there's so many of them. I can't mm. put my finger on any one person. And I love that. The, the quality is just coming out. The potential is great. There's not been a superstar, really. There's been superstars. Like in the past, you might think Marta. Yeah. Or Ex- Birgit yeah. Prinz or Alexander yeah. Pop. Yeah, I mean, always... Germany got knocked out, so they there wasn't the opportunity to see a play in some of the higher end games. So there's no there's no been no superstar player, but there's been lots of players that have got the potential to be the superstar in the next tournament. So what what about does that mean that the coaching level has been different? Because I've seen more less substitutes being used and more of a first eleven being used. So there's eleven players playing as a team. They play as a system. Look at the way England play, for example. Very clinical, solid. Know how to stop Australia from playing. <laughs> Crying about that. But they did. They stopped us playing our natural game. Then we played an unnatural game by lobbing the ball in that mm-hmm. semi-final. I'm unhappy about that. So you, I think the coaches are probably taking more of an influence on the way that teams are playing than the last World Cup. What do you think about that, Robbie? Yeah, I think that's probably spot on. I think, oh, you're, I mean, you mentioned England. I think they've been the outstanding side. Lauren James, if she hadn't been sent off, was maybe going to be 
that star player yeah, because yeah. she has that star quality. But of course, she's missed the last two games. We'll see if she if she walks straight back into the side. I mean, it's brilliant for her and for England that she's available for the for the final now and that they made it. Um, on individual players, I mean, Linda Caicedo was great for Colombia. Um, she scored a potential goal of the season. I was lucky enough to be commentating an uh, amazing goal that she scored. But I agree with you insofar as it hasn't. There haven't been those individual players like a like a Messi in Qatar or an Mbappe or before that. You know when you know we had a Podolski who'd score seven goals or you know a runaway Golden Boot that had such an Im- impact on a on a tournament. And I think that probably is down to to coaching. I mean, if you look at England, they switched formations with with ease to three at the back or to, to five at the back when needed, and then back to a back four. We saw a lot of countries change systems. We saw Denmark change systems as well. And, and that is testament to not only the coaches, but the fact that the message is getting across, that the players, that the game is getting more and more professional, that I think we saw a tactical discipline inside at this tournament that we haven't seen before, as yes. well as the physical attributes. We saw players running at higher intensity for longer. Yes. We saw the competitiveness of the of the, the, the matches was was brilliant, was first class, was deserved of a World Cup and a stage beyond. But yeah. what was really impressive was the tactical maturity that we saw countries, players switch positions. The French did it. They play with a, a patience and, and they had to change. They had to adapt. Australia, when we were playing Denmark, and we had to adapt midway through the first half. We saw... Denmark being crushed by England in the first 20 minutes changed the way they were playing mm. and suddenly be able to to, to rival uh, an England side that was that was flying. We saw that time and time again. We saw, you know, a Sweden side able to resist, to be that disciplined to resist against a, a, a buoyant USA in, the, in their match that ultimately saw them knocked out. And the thing that nobody wants to say because we don't want it to be misinterpreted, but I know we're all among friends here, the goalkeeping has—I uh, thought the goalkeeping was excellent in France four years ago, but it's gone next level as yeah. well. Yes. We've seen a couple of mistakes, but we've also seen some incredible saves and and goalkeepers winning matches for their teams. And that's something that in the past everyone used to say, "Oh, but did you see the goalkeepers? The goalkeeping's mm. hopeless." All this sort of thing. It's not the case, and and it's it's not the case anymore. That has developed. The rest of the game has developed, and I think people that would criticise the women's game now, it just makes them look stupid because they're not watching the game that, that, if you're right. criticising it. Because the, the bottom line is the quality is there. Yeah, you're spot on. And that's a professionalism. You said that it's come into the sport in four years, more resources at grassroots level, so at high higher-end football in each city, state, country, they're able to play and train longer in their craft. The coaching uh, has more experience and more quality about it. Um, there's more people being together for longer at that level. And it, it absolutely shows. It's very exciting, the changes from this World Cup to the last World Cup. And my excitement is building for the next World Cup. It's going to be amazing again, next level stuff. So totally passionate Absolutely. Can I just Can I just jump in there about what one of the, one of the symbolic things that we saw at this World Cup and maybe about to change as well heading, heading forward um, was Hervé Renard leaving a highly well-paid, high-profile men's national team job 
to take a women's national team. Now, that was in maybe not in Australia. We didn't think that much of it. But around the world, they said, look at this. This guy, this male national team coach, has left his job with Saudi Arabia, who beat Argentina at the last World Cup, and has come to take over the French women's national team. Mm. That already raised a lot of eyebrows. Now, what? imagine if Serena Wegman, the England manager, goes and replaces Gareth Southgate. <laughs> we, we had this conversation earlier team. today. <laughs> but can you imagine symbolically what that will mean? Mm. How far the women's game has come? And, I mean, that would it would be a breathtaking, breathtaking if the English FA felt when the time is necessary for Gareth Southgate, which maybe, you know, is not necessarily the case. But if they were to do that, I mean, there's little doubt that she has the runs on the board and there's little doubt that a woman, a woman in that position can do the job now. Yeah. Yes. yeah. We, 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 Jim and I discussed that and we were like, mm, I'm not sure women in that, that space, I, I don't know, I don't have any, like, basis for any point of reference and going forward that, that's a lot of years down the track, I think. That's well, it's got to happen. Yeah. Sooner or later, you've yeah. got to have the first. I mean, Corinne Diac, the, the outgoing French manager, coached a men's second division side in France for two seasons. Caroline, two and a half seasons. Got Car- very good results. Yeah. Carolina well. Mariachi, um, second tier in Italy at some point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, and there's a, a Portuguese woman, Machado, who a few years ago was coaching in, in Portugal in the men's game as well. So, you know, it's got to happen sooner or later. And why not on the back of, you know, overwhelming success and and tactical acumen and, and, you know, I mean, she's proven herself. Why Why not take it to the next level or next level? Why not take it to another level and in the men's game as well? Now, Robbie, before we let you go, there's two things. I want to know if, as part of the media, do you have a say in player of the tournament or any of the, like, medals or trophies given out to individual I, statistics? I, I do not, or at least I'm not aware of that. Okay, all right. All right, that, that's cool. <laughs> Unless and, I missed an email. All right, and the other question I have is, what's your tip for the final? Uh, I would, I think Spain play great football, but I think England um, are just too strong. All over the park, they're too strong. I would just, I've just been singing the praises of their coach. Um, Lauren James coming back. I think they're physical. I think they play with confidence. I think they've got the swagger that the USA had four years ago. They know they can do it. They're getting stronger and stronger. They're proving that after a shaky start. They they were far too strong for Australia in the semi-final. And if if all things being equal, and of course it's a funny old game and anything can happen, I think they'll be too strong for Spain. I always said that Robbie was a great commentator. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I think we're all on the same page with that. England yeah. are looking good. They've proven themselves through the tournament to be consistent. I mean, Spain have remarkable footballers, but but mm. England are just riding riding that the wave and they're getting wave. stronger and stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Robbie, it's been fantastic having a chat with you. You're doing a great job commenta- commentating. I really love listening to you. So, um, And you are so welcome when you're over here in Perth. Come yeah, and sit come in the studio. Like- yeah, brilliant. Absolutely, I will. I'm looking forward to it. It's another another thing to look forward to on my trip west. <laughs> Good lad. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the game. Will do. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Robbie. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie Thompson. Good lad. That's it. So it Eng- England's win? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But the ride's been great for Spain, and it's terrific watching them play. Love it. Let's what hope, a game it's going to be. Let's hope it's a great game. Third and fourth today, four o'clock, wherever you are. It's Western Standard Time, and then tomorrow is the final... Fan Festival if you can't be anywhere else. Come on, Australia. Come on, England.
Go football. Go football. Yeah. <laughs> Lynn and the Jazz Show is up next. See you later.